This is the business of sports. We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times. The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. From a macro standpoint, I think our sport industry is really forced to look at the business a little bit differently. In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Who wants to be the sacrificial lambs that shows up at the first big major sporting event? We're part of something much bigger than sport right now, and the health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Mike Lynch. And we're here with you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays to explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Talk to some of the biggest players in the industry. It is fast moving these days. Stopping, starting, trying to make plans, trying to remake plans. Someone right in the middle of that joins us right now. Joe D'Antonio, he is the commissioner of the Colonial Athletic Association. All right, Joe, this has been quite a journey over the past few months. No fall sports, as I understand. Tell us how you come to that decision. Well, first of all, good morning to all of you, and I appreciate you having me on. You know, these have been a really some unprecedented times that we're living in, and, and I think first thing I need you to separate just in terms of the conversation is we have two conferences. We have the CAA football conference, and then we have the CAA full member conference. So mm-hmm. as we as we looked at decisions in both entities, they were ultimately decisions made by the presidents at each of our schools. And looking through their lens, I would suggest to you at a totality of the circumstances analysis, as it relates to what was best for their campus, kind of drove the decision-making process at each point. Also, you know, just keep in mind that we have taken a little bit of an unusual approach in some of our scenarios. Let's start with the full member conference. In the full member conference, we essentially issued a statement that spoke about allowing really each institution to make their own decision based on the needs wants and scenarios associated with their analysis of their own on-campus and or off-campus community situations. Out of those 10 members, we had six members that said they were shutting it down. We had four members that said they were going to pursue continuing to try to play sports in the fall. On the football side, where we have 12 members that play their other sports in four different Division One conferences, we did put in our press release that while we were postponing and or canceling the fall football season in the CAA, that we, the board of directors did affirm that our policies allowed member institutions to pursue playing an independent football schedule if they chose to do so. And to date, we've seen three of our institutions that have at least indicated that they're going to pursue that exploration, that being Villanova. James Madison and Elon. So that's kind of the lay of the land of where things stand for us right now. To expand on that, there's a brand new Harris poll out, and it shows that most Americans don't expect to see the NFL or college football games at all this fall because of the COVID-19 crisis. Sadly, we won't see the CAA uh, have their conference games. But according to the poll that was in USA Today, just 24% think college football at all will be played. Can I get your thoughts on that? Sure. You know, Michael, I've been saying, really, if you go back to some statements that I made to our group internally back in mid-April, that 
this has become, or this, this was and is today, in my view, an issue of cost and complexity. And I think that we had all hoped back in mid-March, when this all began, that when we reached a point over now four months later, in mid to late July, that we would have seen those scenarios in dealing with the virus, the cost and complexity scenarios, we would have seen those mitigated greatly. The problem I think we're dealing with right now as a nation is not only have those scenarios not been mitigated, you can make an argument that in many cases they've been exacerbated. And that's where I think the problems lie as you begin to try to formulate a plan as to is this actually possible. I would suggest to you we're seeing some success or some potential success at the professional sports level. That's drastically different than what goes on on a college campus on a daily basis. And even those within the college structure that might be able to handle the cost aspects of things, I would suggest to you that even they at this point are having difficulty handling the complexity piece. So if cost and complexity don't get better, the unfortunate reality is we're heading down the wrong road. Geographically, Joe, your, your conference ranges, I think, from South Carolina up to New Hampshire. Um, so you know, you've got pretty much the, uh, two-thirds of the eastern seaboard. And the cost thing, I, I, I'm trying to f- figure out. I, I'm sure you could probably handle a practice, set up your own locker room. But now you've got to take a bus ride, and instead of taking two buses, you probably have to take five buses to a, to a, for a football game. Am I correct? In a hotels, instead of having you know two kids to a room, you might have one, one kid to a room. Are those some of the costs that really fueled this decision? Well, I think there's a lot that goes into that, Mike. And, you know, let's, let's take, for example, even if you take even, – even if you – those are the practical costs, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, we had, we had internally had, especially on the football side, had significant discussions as it relates to what I would call alternative scheduling modeling that would have allowed us to significantly mitigate travel costs associated with getting on planes and buses and, and maybe having not maybe not having to stay in a hotel room. So those things I think we were prepared to deal with on a large scale if we had to by making adjustments, things like playing home-and-home schedules. So, for instance, you know, Maine would play a home-and-home schedule against the home-and-home game against UNH to try to mitigate some of those travel costs and expenses. But over and above those scenarios, if you go back and just simply review the resocialization of sport document that was released by the NCAA this past Thursday, and you look at some of the testing requirements that are quote-unquote recommended in that document, I would suggest to you that for any FCS football program and or conference across the country, the meeting of those recommendations from a financial standpoint and the cost associated with those are going to be very challenging. So it's not only the practical costs, Mike, that you talk about related to some travel issues, but then it's also the other scenarios of who's paying for the testing, Who's paying for the PPE? Who's paying for the increased number of times you need to clean the locker room? Who's paying to keep the officials in separate locker rooms? Who's paying for the PPE for all the sideline personnel? So there are, there are ancillary other costs associated with this 
other than just the ones that you you mentioned. It's so interesting, Joe. I mean, as you start to lay all this out, I mean, I can only speak for myself. Like, my brain is starting to break a little bit in terms of, like, the complexity, as as you rightly describe. And one of the questions that that I have based on everything you've said is, who are ultimately the decision makers at, at various points here? Because, as you said, you know, you had the NCAA weigh in. Obviously, the conferences have a say. The university presidents have a say. I would imagine public officials, especially when you're dealing with, you know, some state schools versus private institutions. I just wonder how do decisions ultimately get made here? Well, Jason, let's break that down at a couple levels. I think it's a really good question, and I do think it's something that folks are very confused on. So let's start just at the conference level, if we could. I think it's important for everyone to understand that when we're talking about decisions at this level, that while certainly I have the ability to have input, our athletic directors have the ability to have input, these decisions are being made by our board of directors, which is comprised of the presidents. In the, in the football conference, it's our 12 institutional presidents. And in the CAA full member conference, it's the, president, it's the 10 presidents of those full members. That's, right. where, that's where the buck stops in terms of making decisions when decisions have to be made especially decisions at this level. You know, we're not talking about, can we, you know, on a road game, are we going to have 25 towels or 15 towels in the visiting team locker room? We're talking about decisions that have sweeping impacts on institutions' campuses and the communities in which they are involved with. So at that level, that, that's where decisions are being made. Certainly, certainly, as those individuals make those decisions, they are very much in tune with the state and local regulations that have been implemented by the authorities within the campus communities that they are part of, or the communities that they are part of. So those are always being taken under consideration. When you then turn your attention to the NCAA, I think it's important for folks to recognize that the NCAA is a membership-driven organization. So the members drive the NCAA. And There is an entity, it's called the Board of Governors, that is comprised of representatives in the three divisions, Divisions 1, 2, and 3. When we saw what happened back in March, when the NCAA made the decision to cancel spring sport championships, that's a decision that was made by the Board of Governors. If there's going to be a similar situation made, strike that, if there's going to be a similar decision made at this point in time, that would also be coming from the Board of Governors. That group is scheduled to meet this Friday, and it's also scheduled to meet August 4th. And if there is going to be a unilateral decision coming down from the NCA as it relates to fall sport championships and whether or not those championships will be either postponed or canceled, that's the entity that's making those decisions. So hopefully that's responsive to your question. No, that's exactly levels. that's exactly right. I mean, because I do think, and and maybe I'm just speaking for myself again, but I do feel like I'm speaking on behalf of listeners because you know we all have, I think it's fair to say, a complicated relationship with the NCAA and understanding sort of when they, you know, when and how they make decisions. So uh, that's that's incredibly helpful, and it sounds like we've got some big dates uh, sitting out ahead of us, Michael. We're talking with Joe D'Antonio, the commissioner of the Colonial Athletic Association. Can I talk about some good times now, gentlemen? I want to talk about, Joe, your practice with the commissioner initiative. And it's where you participate in on-campus workouts with each CAA championship team. 
and uh, understand it has been popular. No disrespect to Roger Goodell. I don't see that happening in the NFL. <laughs> what, what is it like? Can you take us to that experience? Well, I appreciate that question, Michael. And, yes, let, let, let's talk about something we can all smile about. I, I appreciate that because it seems like we're, we've always been talking about is regulatory things here over the course of the last month and a half. So I developed the practice with the commissioner program as an opportunity to really get behind the scenes with the student-athletes and be able to interact with student-athletes and the coaches in a manner in which you never have an opportunity to do so. It's an opportunity for me to say thank you to them. Uh, thank you not only for their time, effort, and dedication in being a Division One student-athlete, which I think the, you know most people don't have a sense as to what that time, commitment, and dedication really is like, uh, but also a way for me to say thank you to them for the first-class manner in which they represent the CAA, and also to congratulate them on being the defending CAA champion in their sport. So what I do is I will travel around to each of our campuses and try to practice one time with each CAA defending champion that won a conference championship in the previous season. And uh, this is this is real practice. So, you know, I've, I've suited up uh, full gear for football, oh. field hockey practices, volleyball practices, uh, you, you name it, we've gone soup to nuts, and it's been an awful lot of fun. And, and, I, and I think maybe I've gotten more out of it than the, than the kids have, but it, it's, it's really been a tremendous experience, I think, on both sides. All right, so now the follow-up question to that is, which of those sports that you competed in was the most challenging and surprised you how inept you were at it? <laughs> well, for, from an ineptness standpoint, Mike, that's easy because I'm not the greatest swimmer. I can uh. I can keep myself I can keep keep myself afloat. I'm not going to drown, but but boy oh boy, the, the fitness level of those men and women in the pool uh, is phenomenal. And then the the other one I'll tell you is I was involved in a, a volleyball practice, and they they said to me going into the practice, we're going to have you be a setter. I'm like okay, that's thinking to myself, that sounds great to me. I can I can set the ball, and somebody else will spike it, no problem. But Boy, oh boy, we, we got into some of those drills, and I started, I started moving myself around. Uh, you know, you get, a, you get a true appreciation. I try to keep myself in decent shape. I, I, I pride myself on that. But when you get in with Division One student-athletes and you look at the fitness level of these men and women, you're like, wow, this is a completely different level. So uh, that was an interesting day in, at, the, at the volleyball practice, but I'm happy to report I did survive and made it through. I've been yelling, <laughs> oh, Lord, my gal, help me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joe, you know, on a professional level as well, I mean, we've been uh, – we were talking with you before we officially came on air about the arc of your career, and it's been a, a really interesting one, you know, working at an administrative administrative level, both at colleges, I believe your alma mater, as well as at the Big East and, and now to, to the CAA. What have you sort of, what's the most important thing you sort of learned from those different positions, especially from the, the business of running sports uh, that, that you're applying, especially in this time, I, I dare say, of crisis? Well, that's an easy one for me to answer, Jason. You know, I, I think that as, you, as I've been able to walk through my career, I've been really fortunate that folks have given me some tremendous opportunities, and I'd like to think that I've made the most of those opportunities. But to answer your question specifically, uh, what I value most is just my relationships with people and, and how you treat people. 
And, you know, one of the things I think that we're seeing during these very difficult times we're in right now is people, there's a lot of stress. Uh, people are reacting to certain situations very differently. We're, we're seeing polarizing opinions on a lot of different topics. And what I've tried to stress to my, to my own self is you need to stay respectful. You need to respect the fact that what is good for one entity or organization, especially in these unprecedented times, may not be good for another entity or organization right now. And that, that speaks volumes, I think, within our conference of some of the flexibility we've had of allowing institutions to make decisions that are most applicable to their situation that are going to uh, be the best decision for their institution at the present time. And ultimately, what people will remember is, did you treat them fairly uh, during difficult times? And that's really how I try to really live my life is, you know, treat people with respect, understand that there's going to be differences, but never let those differences come in the way of treating people the right way. I'd, I'd like to expand on that, what you were saying about your personal experiences. Now, if I'm right, you, you have two children and they're around the college age. And obviously with COVID-19, uh, there's been a, a big mess going on. I, I don't know if they're going to college or not, but if they are, how do you tell them how to experience, you know, college in a COVID-19 era is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's a great question, Michael. And we, we are experiencing that. Uh, my son is getting ready to start his senior year at Villanova. He's actually on the football team there. He's a He's a long snapper and holder uh, in their in their organization, and my daughter is getting ready to start her college career. She's going to be a freshman at my alma mater, Providence College, and you know we're just continuing to monitor the landscape uh, with both of them as it relates to the different decisions that their institutions are making. I feel very confident that you know based on the locales of those institutions. Uh, Again, going back to the way I, I answered one of the earlier questions, those institutions understanding the rules and regulations within their state and local communities, uh, that they will make the right decisions as it relates to the safety of their students. And, and we will certainly, as a family, uh, be supportive of our children and in those institutions as those decisions are made. Certainly not easy times, but uh, really just a matter of working together uh, making common making common sense decisions, I think, is, is really important for everyone right now. So, Joe, uh, if I remember correctly, Villanova is one of the, uh, along with James Madison and Elon, one of the teams that will seek an outside conference schedule in football. What, what, what's your comfort level with your son going back, uh, knowing that Villanova is going to try to do something and probably take it to the to the eleventh hour, unless another decision is made? Yeah, I think it's very similar, Mike, to the way I answered the first question. I, I have. Uh, you know, I have the utmost respect for the institutions that have said that they're willing to explore paying, playing an independent schedule, such as Villanova, Elon, and JMU. And I also have the utmost respect for the institutions that said they're going to shut it down and look to see whether or not playing in the spring would be a possibility. So if, uh, if my son goes back to Villanova and ultimately they do decide to pursue playing an independent schedule and he has an opportunity to be a part of that, you know, I'm going to be uh, just as supportive as a parent as I would be whether I was the commissioner or not the commissioner. So um, we're certainly going to support him in that endeavor and, and know and respect that the institution is making the right and proper decisions as it relates to the environment that they're in, uh, understanding the facts of the situation. 
So, Joe, just as we wrap up, you know, one last question I wanted to ask you is, you know, as you look out, obviously these are, as you have rightly said, unprecedented times. There's a still months into this, a certain amount of triage that we're all doing and responding and reacting and doing the best that we can. And you've done such a nice job of laying that out for us. I do wonder, though, as you look ahead to hopefully a, a, a new and, and better world and a vaccine world and whatever it takes to sort of get us back to something that people are calling the next normal. What do you think we take from this when it comes to collegiate sports, to the way you run the conference that maybe you're doing now because you have to, but looking forward, you think, huh, actually, that's something we might not have thought of if we didn't have this, but we're going to keep doing it. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a really good question, Jason, because as we've gone through these last four months, I, I think that one of the things that's opened our eyes, all of us, not just in college athletics, but it's opened all of our eyes to is, are there potential ways in which we can do things differently that may be more cost-effective, potentially at times, uh, more more time effective in terms of being efficient with your time, and potentially in the world of college sports, just be a little bit more efficient in the way that we're able to run things, especially with uh, you know conferences that don't have at many times the budgets that you might see at the autonomy five level. So, I, I do think that we're going to continue to analyze those things. So, from a from a very pragmatic standpoint. I've talked to our staff about whether it's in-person meetings we have with our board of directors or our athletic directors. I don't know if you're going to see people traveling to meetings in the future like they did in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are that's maybe a little bit more of a pragmatic situation. You know, could conferences look at uh, potentially a little bit more of a regionalized scheduling philosophy? You, you, you might see that. Could you look at a scheduling philosophy that might have uh, members – trying to save some additional costs on travel expenses. And I think you could see some of those scenarios as well. But, you know, I think it's also important to understand that there's a, there's a certain cachet, maybe, of the college athletic mystique involving some of the traditions that I think we hold dear to our heart, whether it relates to rivalries, whether it relates to uh, traveling for those rivalries to exist that if we can at some point return to a level of normalcy, that I don't, I don't think we'd want to just take those things and throw them into the wind simply to say, well, we're changing the way we're doing things. So I think there needs to be a balance. You need to be able to strike a balance in understanding what worked well in the past and, and then certainly understanding what we've learned and gleaned from these unprecedented times that we've been in and how we can apply those things that we've learned to make going forward even better than it was before. All right. Well, that's a nice place to wrap up. Thank you so much. We really appreciate the time. Joe D'Antonio, Commissioner of the Colonial Athletic Association. A big job and a complicated one, uh, to say the least. We really appreciate your time. Great to be with the three of you. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Joe, and go Green Wave. (laughs) All right. (laughs) 
Thanks, Mike. You are, and you are correct. Uh, GWP, Greenway Pride. Go Greenway. <laughs> you, you got go. it. <laughs> All right. Well, you can catch our podcast right here every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I'm Jason Kelly. Catch me on Twitter at Jason Kelly News. I'm just daydreaming about me trying to play volleyball. I'm Michael Barr <laughs> at Big Bar Sports on Twitter. And I do not want to swim with any college swim team. I'm Mike Lynch. You can find me at Lynchy WCBB. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world.